Hello, and welcome to the Vibrant Light Podcast, your home for uplifting faith-based commentary. I'm your host, Alicia. Today, I will be discussing the tendency for people in modern culture to replace their religion with politics. I was speaking with a friend of mine, and he made a comment that he has noticed that people seem to have replaced religion with politics, where they have this religious fervor towards their political positions. I think that absolutely does exist, and I think that's what's driving a lot of broadcast media content and cancel culture and a lot of the more aggravating aspects of our societal discourse. Where I disagreed with him a little bit is that I really do think this is the vocal minority who have embraced this way of interacting and are fueling these narratives that we're all aggravated by. Because when you talk to most people, I mean, say, imagine you're in a room with a group of friends or family or at work, say say 20 to 30 people. And there's maybe going to be, I don't know, two or three people in that crowd of of individuals who really toe the line of their political parties that are just really hard line and will be aggressive in their positions and espousing their views and trying to bring it into every conversation. We all know those people. The majority of people, though, just want to get along. They just want to go about their business, do the things they like to do, enjoy their life and be happy. Unfortunately, when we look around us, it doesn't always feel that way. And I I addressed this in my last episode about the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And, and this is another reason why those initiatives are, are problematic, because it's just dragging people into conversations that are that foster conflict. And unfortunately, with the isolation that came with the COVID lockdowns, it felt like it really, this, these, this political divisiveness really became heightened, where people got even more into their silos and more entrenched in their ideologies than they were before, because a lot of people just were consuming a lot of politically biased and content through social media, because unfortunately, we now know that's how social media is designed. It it really fans those flames. So the voices of these individuals got louder and more aggressive in their desire to pull people into their way of thinking. Which makes sense. Humans are very tribal creatures. It is ingrained deep within us for our own survival. When you look at the history of human beings, being part of a community has always been very important. And with the breakdown of families and faith and church and community within our our society, it really creates a vacuum where people are seeking something else to take the place of faith and religion. People want to feel like there are systems in place to take care of them and to give them a sense of safety and well-being, that there's this that there's an authority that they can rely on, that they're that people are now seeking from politicians 
or even celebrities. But the reality is politicians can never replace our relationship with God. And the safety and security and feeling of community we get from our faith and our church community, we see it now where there's a natural disaster or even a power outage that goes more than a day maybe you you look at how people respond and they're looking for the government to take care of them to a and to a certain degree in a practical sense it is the government's job to maintain infrastructure but this sense of sort of desperation and demand for answers that you see from people it, it goes beyond a reasonable expectation of maintaining infrastructure they there seems to be this sense that when anything goes wrong with our societal systems, people have this reaction of what are they going to do? How are they going to take care of it? But at the end of the day, politicians are just people. They don't have magical powers. They're they're just people and they're they're people with sometimes conflicting motives and conflicting influences. And they may or may not have the best interest of their constituents at heart. They may or may not be managing the resources they've been tasked to be stewards of well. But yet we have so many people in our culture right now that look to the government and to politicians to find solutions to problems that go far beyond tangible issues. We're asking our politicians and our elected officials and school teachers even to fix our families to fix decades of societal breakdown from the fallout of moving, removing faith from life. And that's not something that people, people can fix for other people or that politicians and agencies could spend millions and millions of dollars and create program upon program. But those are just band-aids that aren't going to heal deeper wounds. Yes, they can absolutely provide temporary relief that people need, and that's important. But to really heal those deeper wounds that we've created for ourselves as a society by the way we've distanced ourselves from God's purpose for our lives, it goes deeper than that. And, and you can see the desperation in some people when they seek fulfillment from government and politicians that they can only get from God. And it's just sad because it's it's watching people trying to fill a leaky cup. You know, there are things we as people can do for each other to temporarily lift each other up and make each other feel better and assistance we can provide as, as a community. But if we don't understand our true purpose, if we don't have a good, strong sense of ourselves, then that cup is never going to be full. Where this sort of political tribalism can become problematic for Catholics, even, you know, even if people who consider themselves people of faith, is when people start to set aside their faith and their values and start replacing it with political ideologies. And sadly, I've seen this a lot recently when it comes to discussions, especially on social media about homelessness and poverty and drug addiction, where there's a lot of judgment and horrifyingly even wishing death on these vulnerable populations. 
I also see it when people blindly support organizations like Black Lives Matter or Wounded Warrior Project because of what they represent and people not looking carefully and examining what the what these organizations are actually doing because if someone speaks up and indicates that they have some concerns or issues with politically aligned organizations they're treated as being against those populations that these organizations are claiming to serve so we end up with a lot of this labeling based on symbolic representations of ideas rather than actually hearing somebody and listening to what they're saying and what their intentions are and realizing that, no, it's not soldiers I have an issue with or people of color I have an issue with. It's these organizations trying to make money off of suffering. I'm concerned about corruption here. But those were both organizations on very different organizations serving different groups of people where that there was that mentality going on where there were real issues of corruption but if if you questioned them they spun that to by questioning the organizations you were indicating you didn't support the populations they were claiming they served because people don't look at the intent of the person who is asking the questions, they're reacting to the questions and not looking at the person who's asking the questions and understanding why. And I think that's a big piece that's missing is people have become very quick to take a position of conflict and confrontation and not considering intent. Like it's very difficult in our current culture to talk about transgender and uh, transgender issues and body dysmorphia, especially when it comes to children. Um, there was a big school board meeting in a neighboring town near where I live last night, actually, about this issue with locker rooms specifically, locker room use specifically. And if a parent expresses concern about the impact of boys being in their daughter's locker rooms and the impact that that could have on their daughters they're they're just gaslit as being transphobic and hateful and there's no sense from the folks on the other side of the issue who are advocating for so-called transgender rights that they have any intention or desire to try to understand the position of a young girl who is now being told she has to share a locker room with boys because the people who are supporting these youths with dysmorphia are taking the position and making the assumption that parents advocating for their daughters, that their motives are rooted in hate. And they're assuming a hateful intention. When these parents and other people who have concerns about this are not coming from a place of hate at all, most of them. And and this is just one example. I think that's true on many issues that that people use this label of hate speech as a way of gaslighting people to shut down their positions and their opinions and their views. Because if you label the other person's thoughts and opinions as hate speech, you no longer have to defend your position. And it just makes it difficult for people to come together to find solutions when they have opposing views when this happens because it only takes a few people 
in the crowd shouting hate speech to perpetuate that narrative. And then that just shuts down the conversation and the opposing viewpoints. So we end up with this dynamic where we have a vocal minority setting the tone for the rest of us because they refuse to look at at the intentions of the other side. They they just make assumptions, they label it as hate speech so they can shut it down. These interactions are tough. Um and it it really calls on us to dig deep, to be like Jesus, to turn the other cheek, to respond with kindness even when we are not being met with kindness, and that is a really difficult thing to do because because it's we get we get upset you know we're we're passionate but it's it's important because it's difficult for somebody to make a case that a catholic or a christian's perspective is rooted in hate if we as catholics and christians are not the ones responding hatefully so when we speak up whether it's at a school board meeting or on social media or with friends and family being we need to be willing to show that we're willing to hear their side and showing that we're willing to work with them but also not being afraid to set some firm firm boundaries and not being afraid to state our values and why but always doing so in a way that's rooted in love and if we do that and and we can hold it together our communications are going to be a lot more powerful than if we communicate from a place of anger. It's easy for people to take an approach where they quickly label and judge and assume, especially when riled up. You know, our brains go into fight or flight mode when we sometimes when we feel confronted. And part of that fight or flight mode is to make quick decisions about who is a friend and who is a foe. And so to not get labeled in these situations is difficult. Because people have aligned themselves so much with their identity. Um, so it, it can be difficult when certain issues come up. And it, especially if, if you're dealing with people who feel like they have the moral high ground. That's, that's really when responding calmly and with kindness becomes so important. Because if they are going to try to paint us as hateful... We really have to, it's, it's on us, unfortunately. It shouldn't be. You know, the burden of proof should be on them. But in our current culture, the burden of proof really is on us to show that that's not who we are. Because, you know, unfortunately in our culture, in many cases, as Catholics, we are kind of guilty until proven innocent. And we need to understand that when we go into these interactions that, that they really do see themselves as having the moral authority. The whole issue of cancel culture is based on this issue as well, where people are really aligning heavily with their politics. And I find it interesting that the, the Twitter apology that we've seen a lot over the last few years is really a, a an analogy for confession. It's the it's the modern secular version of confession when you think about it. It's this literal like forgive me Twitter for I have sinned where a celebrity or politician or somebody inadvertently does something offensive, they have to go to social media and issue this apology so they can be forgiven. 
it's interesting. It's such a mirror image of the Catholic confession. And it just shows how when people remove faith from their life, it, it does create this vacuum where something else takes its place that, that, that you see that, that behavior, that sort of need to confess and seek atonement. But instead of seeking that from God, we're, we're seeking it from social media and people in the comment section of social media. It's just interesting. And, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I really don't think that's, that this, this sort of frenetic cancel culture, judgmental culture really is how most people are operating in the world it really is the vocal minority. So when I think about how we move past this, how and how we can approach people, it really we really have to walk with Jesus all day every day in everything we do. Because if we only focus on apologetics or managing conflict, we're going to miss opportunities where we can show our true intentions and we're not going to convince everybody. You know, not in a million years, of course, but we really do need to think about how we're interacting in the world and if we are representing ourselves as people rooted in love and kindness and forgiveness, or are we finding ourselves jumping on this judgmental bandwagon of superficial political labels and categorizing people that occurs on both sides of the political spectrum? I think the other difficult thing for Catholics specifically is Catholic teaching really straddles both sides of the political spectrum. When we think about the church's teachings on poverty and equality and social justice issues, those positions can come across as more Democrat or left-leaning. And I know people who take issue with Pope Francis for the way he has communicated on some of those issues and feel like he's gone too radically, too radically to the left. And then When it comes to issues such as abortion or gay rights, transgender issues, marriage, personal responsibility, those positions can come across as more Republican or right-leaning, which the mainstream pop culture takes issue with. So it's hard for Catholics because we're in a culture that's trying to put us in one of two political boxes when in reality, Catholic values are not defined that way. Our beliefs are not that don't line up perfectly with Republican or Democrat positions. We don't believe in Republicans. We don't believe in Democrats. We believe in God and his teachings. And I think maybe that's why it feels so frustrating and confusing when people who don't have a good understanding of the Catholic faith make certain assumptions about what they think we think and what we believe without asking us or getting to know us or even attempting to understand our positions. So when I think about how we counter this and how we respond to this issue, it has to go beyond the individual interactions that I've talked about before. We have to think about how we're representing ourselves as Catholics collectively. We need to be a little bit more loud and proud. I think a lot of, when I think of Catholics, I know compared to evangelical Christians, I know I think Catholics are more reserved in their faith, 
for a variety of reasons. And I'm not saying we we should be going around preaching the gospel to everybody, but really showing who we are as Catholic people and that who we are is rooted in our faith. Because if, if somebody, if we have a good relationship with somebody and they, they value us and value our opinions and they know that we're coming from a place that's rooted in our faith, it may, it, I can only hope that it would, if, make them rethink if they have a bad impression of the Catholic faith, that it would make them maybe rethink that position and rethink what it means to be Catholic. Because unfortunately, there is a population of religious people, especially on social media, that are not really representing the faith well and the teachings of Christ. They're they're really coming from a place of judgment, which is completely antithetical to Christian teaching and presenting issues, especially pro-life issues, LGBTQ, those are the, the things that end up coming up all the time and get talked about. And unfortunately, a lot of times the Christian position does come across as being from a place of judgment when there's so many other things that we can talk about that we can bring to the table when we're communicating with others, instead of letting them corner us on these divisive issues, we we need to be better cheerleaders, I think, for the initiatives of the Catholic Church. I know the, the state where I live, the Catholic Charities runs the one and only food bank in the entire state and there's and other christian communities non-catholic christian communities you know they're they're the ones running the soup kitchens they're the ones doing a lot of the charity work supporting adoption and foster care and and i don't think we've done a great job as a as a community as catholics to talk about those things because we keep getting pigeonholed into these other issues. And Pope Francis talked about this when it comes to gay marriage. He kind of, and I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing, but he basically got to a point where he, he said, look, the church has its position. Everybody knows our position. We don't need to keep talking about it when we have these other issues of poverty and and despair and illness and and other things going on. We can't just be talking about this one thing all the time. And I I think that that was an excellent point because not that those issues aren't important, but these other issues are important too. And I think the the position that the Catholic Church takes especially when it comes to the areas of poverty relief are really some areas where we can find some common ground with people and and show people what it really means to be Catholic, what it really means to follow Jesus. And I think if if we can bring more of that to light, then maybe we can 
get some more wiggle room on some of these other more controversial topics. Because if they can see that we're coming from a place of compassion and kindness and not hate and judgment, we, we, might, we might be able to get them to listen to us on some of these other topics. So that's, you know, that's really it for today. I, I think we just have to be mindful, really, you know, at the at the end of the day, I think that's kind of the, the big takeaway here. And kind of my the point of today's episode is is just making sure that when we're interacting with people on these controversial issues that we are coming from our, a place that's rooted in our faith and not our politics. And understanding that the political positions, this dichotomy that our society has created for us is not necessarily in line with our faith. These, There's no perfect match when we look at Republican positions and Democrat positions. So we, we need to look at each individual issue and make decisions on issues, not on polit- political positions and, and politicians. And really just let our light shine find find the common ground and and meet meet people where they are and and take it from there so thank you for listening to this episode of the vibrant light podcast (music) 